You're listening to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast, a comfy, cozy place for private practice introverts, highly sensitive therapists, and solopreneurs who help and heal. This is the place for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. And welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy. Here in episode 49, I continue my conversation with Raymond Barrett of the Telehealth Certification Institute on creating conditions for self care as a telehealth therapist. So, if you haven't yet listened to the first part of our chat in episode 48, I encourage you to do that first. Now, on to our conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Norton, and I'm here with Raymond Barrett of the Telehealth Certification Institute, and we're going to continue our conversation from last week about how clinicians can create conditions for self-care when providing telemental health services. So last week, we talked about um, some of the things that were draining clinicians and some things that you can do to identify that and help out, and we've got three more tips for you today. So welcome back, Raymond. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I know that anything you want to share before we dig in and continue this conversation. Well, sure. So where we started last time, first of all, again, I'm, I'm Ray with the Telehealth Certification Institute. And where I come from is I'm a mental health counselor. And I started the Institute about eight years ago, and we provide training and consultation around telemental health to individual clinicians and groups, universities. Uh, in organizations. Uh, so we are here for you. We enjoy hearing from you and, and helping you out. Um, and our our last podcast, uh, we, again, we looked at the drainers. Um, it's helpful for people to identify in your day-to-day work, uh, what drains you, what takes away your energy and your motivation, um, and what feeds you, right? Uh, what energizes you, motivates you. And then we have things that are neutral. Um, so looking at the things that could potentially drain you. Some things that I think about is not sure if you're making a difference. That can be a big one for therapists. Yeah, because I think the thing that's most motivating and energizing is knowing that you make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. You probably got into this profession because you want to make a difference. That's what's super meaningful to you. So when you when your foundation gets shaken a little bit, you're not so sure about that, that could be a major drainer, right? Because yeah. then it becomes like a, a task that you're not feeling so good about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. The other one is not feeling connected. Another reason why we get into this profession is because we love being connected with other people. Otherwise, you could have been, in a, like for myself anyway, I was very good at mathematics and finance, economics, and all that kind of stuff. So I easily could have done very well in finance or economics and so forth. Uh, but I, I feared that I wouldn't feel connected with people. And I yeah. really like being connected with people. So yeah, we typically get into this profession for that. So if we're, we're you know, if we don't feel connected with our clients or those that we collaborate with, et cetera, uh, that, that's going to be a major drainer. And these things are things that could easily be converted into things that feed us, that energize us and motivate us significantly. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, The other one is not having enough breaks or just simply working too much. You can do something that you love. Um, It doesn't matter how much you love it. 
if you're doing too much of it uh, without breaks, um, it's going to be a drainer. I remember when I was uh, actually studying, I was in a PhD program for economics and one of my prof- professors, uh, I thought he was a really wise guy. He he was brilliant, right? He, he came up with the stu- uh, two-stage least, uh, the two-stage least square method of uh, statistical analysis. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he's very well known for that. And um, so he said he, he was brilliant and he, uh, he also was very smart in uh, astrology. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said, uh, if you have two things that you really enjoy doing, um, do the one that you like least less for a job and the one that you like most uh, for free. Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This just kind of popped in my mind just now. Yeah. So, I've seen um, I mean, so it's, many, it's stuck with me. Yeah. I've seen where so many people try to turn some of their hobbies into a paid gig and sometimes it works, but sometimes it sucks the joy out of it. Yes. Yes. So he loves astronomy and uh, he does that in his spare time. Um, and then he does economics for a job, which he also really enjoys. I and mean, this is, this is years ago, right? Yes. I was studying economics like 24 years ago or something. <laughs> um, and he was like 80 at the time, yeah. but uh, anyway, yeah. He was like in World War II and um, yeah. So uh, yeah, even if you love something, just doing it too much uh, could be a drain. So let me start with the, the first one that I mentioned, unsure that you're making a difference. I, I think it's important to track the difference that we are making. And we can do that ourselves or our clients can assist with that. So in terms of the use of technology, One thing that technology has been doing and is doing much, much more of for us is data collection. And it's not only just collecting data, but using data in a very meaningful way. Um, So we are all hearing about AI. We might not fully understand what AI is. We may not have experienced AI so much, uh, but we hear a lot about it. Um, So there's so much that Uh, technology can do with the data. So, you know, there's studies that show that AI can determine whether or not a client is feeling slightly more depressed or less depressed or more anxious or less anxious by looking at data, um, how much, how active they are, what kind of words they're using online, who they're connecting with online, when they're connecting, how often, uh, what they're looking at uh, online, they're, they're, they have, we have a uh, remote monitoring, their, their, their heart rate and their activity and their sleep and all this kind of stuff. When you put all those factors together and, and uh, use statistical analysis, um, we have very solid data and reliable data in terms of um, the mood of uh, people. So it can really track the effectiveness of the work that we're doing. But on a much simpler level with technology, just having a very simple survey, you know, three questions uh, that your client would fill out before they enter the session. So they go to the client portal, right? They log in to enter the session and up pops up a survey uh, for them asking like on a scale from zero to five, right? Uh, How's your mood? Do you feel connected, et cetera? Um, and then we can track, we could say, are they improving? Uh, Cause most clinicians do not track these things. 
uh, they just kind of hope, right? And we just plug away. And then we could become unsure of ourselves. Uh, so having this tracking um, and being able to identify what's working and what's not is extremely helpful. And there's been a lot of recent, very, very recent research on what is effective and what is not in therapy um, because of the use of technology in regards of this. So yeah, that's the one change that, you know, possibly if you're not already doing this, that you can make into it just to really make it super simple, a, a, a real short survey that clients fill out. So you can see, are they improving or are they not? I, I think that'd be helpful. And also just tracking for yourself, like looking back, are my clients, you know, what are the successes that I have made with my clients over the past week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that can be be good because sometimes uh, clinicians may be tracking this in a more general way, just throughout their notes about what's happening during the session. But it's not really easily accessible or to see the differences versus a really specific number where the clients are rating themselves because it may be somehow vaguely in the notes, but it would take a lot of time and effort to go back and read through and for you to assess how the client's doing. So being able to simplify it and having a really, like you said, very short questionnaire where they're just rating and you can get a really quick glimpse into, into some of those numbers and how they're doing. Right. And there's apps uh, that you can collaborate with clients on where the client, and it's, you know, it's found that it's really helpful for clients to track their progress themselves also um, and for them to see what's helpful and what's not. So, yeah, collaborating uh, on apps uh, in that regard is another way of doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So another one is not feeling connected. Um, so technology can help a lot with this because, you know, with telehealth, it's not like I'm either going to provide sessions in the same room, like when me and the client in the same room um, or through telehealth, it doesn't have to be an either, or it could be a both and. Um, So technology can improve the services that we're providing. So if you think about it, your client might come see you for 45 minutes once a week or once every other week, or whatever your schedule is, right? Uh, Well, with technology, you can be even more connected in a really convenient way, convenient both for you and for the client. And you want to find out what that is. There's studies that show that just sending one single message to your client through text. And when I say text, um, I mean typing the message, right? Not necessarily standard texting, which is not secure. You wouldn't do that. But uh, just sending one text-based message to your client makes them feel significantly more that the clinician really cares about them, which has an impact on their treatment. So, you know, they come for your session, but again, you could communicate with them outside session time by just sending an encouraging message. Mm -hmm. Or so people do secure messaging, they use applications. they, uh, uh, you know, you can, again, collaborate on apps, uh, these kind of things. So that, that can be really helpful. And we call that asynchronous communication. You know, you don't have to be looking at this at the same time as a client, but you could send a message, they can get it whenever they get it and kind of vice versa. 
and then also using applications when you're collaborating with a client on applications, like you can give them homework and like say they're using a mood tracker or any, any type of app. And then you're able to see their activity on that app and then talk about it. Uh, they feel more connected to you. You feel more connected to them. Um, so yeah, I think just using these apps to be able to connect more with your client is uh, very helpful. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because thinking about sometimes before we had the different apps or the ways to do this, or we, you know, as therapists, we may not have been thinking about doing some of these things in between sessions. And a lot of times you will talk with a client about doing something and then the week gets away from them and they're like, oh man, I forgot. I really did intend to do this. So even just sending a midweek um check-in or reminder or a prompt to, Hey, have you worked on this yet? Uh, that I know that that would really help me as a reminder, because it can be so easy to be in a session and be like, Oh yeah, this is such a great idea. And then you show up next week and it's like, Oh, I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah. And you might be really, uh, happy to see how your clients interact with you differently through different Mm -hmm. mediums of communication. Think about the people in your life. Um, If you have a significant other, if you have kids, friends, family, whatever. And if you call them versus email them versus text them, you know, whatever, uh, you know that they communicate with you differently. Mm -hmm. Like I know there's one of my children, the way that they connect with me, that they'll really communicate well with me is through texting. Yeah. And then there's other kids of mine where they like interacting with me, like we're like it's side by side kind of play, like with technology. Mm-hmm. Then there's other kids of mine, like I have four kids and there's like another kid of mine, like it's just sitting down, like actually having a conversation together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some clients, if you meet with them through video or if they come to your office, they might feel they might be a little bit guarded, not so transparent and so forth. Whereas if they send you a message, you might find like, wow, all of a sudden, all there's telling me all this stuff that they haven't told me before, or they're being much more vulnerable. Um, so, you know, there's no one size fits all for people uh, or for everybody. Right. So it's uh, people, people gravitate for towards different means of communication. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point. And by using some of that technology outside of sessions, you may end up getting more from the clients than you would during session depending on how they prefer to communicate. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. And then doing telehealth, a lot of clinicians work uh, by themselves, say in their home office, which could be very isolating. Um, you know, even people that work for businesses that are working remotely now could be very isolating. You're not like bumping into each other all the time, chatting, getting, getting coffee at the same time, that kind of stuff. So making sure to actually connect with other clinicians, other people during the day, just having meetings, check-ins, just social get-togethers, either over the phone or video or whatever, going, getting out, meeting up at the cafe. Um, I think that's really important. So I've been a part of a uh, clin- uh, clinical, uh, well, a, a peer consultation group um, for a long, long time. And it's always been very meaningful for me, mostly, I mean, you know, peer consultation, right? So you consult with each other. Well, for me, that's been very insignificant compared to uh, the aspect of connecting with them. Yeah. 
So by far, the reason why I'm in peer consultation groups is because I enjoy connecting with the other clinicians. Yes. <laughs> right. So yeah, that being a part of something like that is really helpful. Yeah. That's the same for me. Um, uh, we used to have a, just a couples therapists little consultation group, and I would get so excited to see all the other clinicians and just connect with them as people. And yeah, of course we would discuss cases. We would get some really great tips and insight, but what I loved mm. most about it was just being able to show up as myself and they sh- would show up as themselves and we can connect as humans. And it, it also really helped when you're, you know, doing referrals because you know these clinicians as people, and you can really mm-hmm. match up referrals in a great way because you may have this client that you might need to refer out for whatever reason, and you know, you just know that they're really going to mesh well with this other clinician because you you know who they are and you know their personality and how they work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the the other thing, the last item is uh, not having enough breaks or taking enough breaks or working too much. So, you know, I know a lot of clinicians who have several clients, like, you know, 10 clients a day. And I think to myself, oh my God, how can you possibly do that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And with telehealth, so many organizations have found that their no-show rates have dropped significantly. In my peer consultation group, they say that their no-shows are none. Like they don't have no-shows anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So usually people get their breaks during the no-shows. Like, you know, you just know that one person in the day at least is not going to show up. So you're going to have like 45 minutes to just chill, go for a brief walk, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's not happening nearly and nearly as much. So really scheduling out that time for yourself during the day is really important. Uh, You might have to like be your own boss and, you know, like in old school where you'd say, okay, you get your 15 minute break twice a day and you get your, you know, 45 minute lunch or whatever it is, like making sure that you take those breaks. And with behavioral health, I think we need a, a think we need a lot of breaks. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I, that's one thing that I have not struggled with because I know that I need my breaks. Um, uh, maybe some of these other things have been really draining for me, but I just knew myself yeah. so well and working in community mental health and doing sessions back to back. I just knew I couldn't do that in my private practice. So starting out, I had at least 30 minutes between sessions and sometimes mm. it will be an hour. And I know yeah. that's not, that's not the norm. And I didn't see as many clients and I saw couples. So I felt like I needed a little bit more space so that I could, uh, you know, it was nice to be able to write my notes and mm-hmm. go get a snack, um, get some water, run to the restroom, maybe just uh, decompress from the session mm-hmm. and then have mm-hmm. some time to read over my notes and prepare for the next session. Uh, so the 30 minutes to an hour in between gave plenty of time. But I know a lot of people that may do a few more back to back, but then they might uh, have more spacious time on other days during the week or maybe take a day off. But right. so it's not that you have to do it like in between the sessions, but making sure yeah. that you're putting in some of that blank space throughout the day or throughout the week. Right. Yeah, I agree. Like whenever it is, whenever it's a fit for you, I agree. Some people need it between sessions. Some people say, well, I just need to 
I'll just, you know, do my work. And then at the end of the day, I'm done, done. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, whereas some people, you know, I do my work during the day, but then I go home and I'm taking care of uh, a bunch of kids and cooking dinner mm-hmm. and, you know, all this kind of go taking kids to sports and all this stuff. So yeah, doing, doing what's a fit for you. Um, yeah, I think that piece is really important. Then what, what you do during those breaks, uh, I think also matters. Uh, doing nothing is, is okay. And like, Mm-hmm. getting up, getting up out of the seat and moving. Um, even, you know, a lot of people use a standing desk. So you could sit for a while, stand for a while uh, with telehealth. That works really, really well. It doesn't look so awkward, um, especially if you're doing audio calls, uh, audio only uh, sessions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would just uh, really take a look at it. I, There's been times in my life where I took way too many breaks um, when I was working as a hospital chaplain, as a young guy, I was taking, there was a, there was a period of time where I just noticed I was just taking a whole lot of breaks. And uh, that for me is a, a signal that burnout or whatever term we want to use for it was happening. Yeah. So there was something else going on. Um, you know, those other things we talked about having to take a look at what's, what's the drainer, um, where am I not being fed or nourished or motivated? Um, yeah. And take, taking a look at that is also important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, just with the scheduling, I know a lot of my colleagues, even though they, they do some space throughout the day, they're like, I like to get in, get my sessions done. And that way I can leave it behind and go home and do whatever. So, yes. yeah. So whenever I was talking about my huge space between sessions, I know that that's you know, not the ideal for everyone. It may be ideal mm-hmm. for some people to have some back-to-back sessions and that way they're like, okay, I'm done way earlier and I can have the rest of the afternoon or the evening to do whatever I want. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I think being able to look at your energy and like you were like, the, it is possible to have too many breaks and being able to mm-hmm. recognize why am I feeling like I need so many breaks? And it's like, oh, maybe because I'm burnout and this is yeah. just a way of me telling myself like, you know, that I am burnout and, and needing yeah. too many. Yeah. Yeah. And you can track whether or not your breaks are actually restorative because mm-hmm. sometimes breaks are not restorative. Like I said, depending on what you're doing during those breaks, if you're still sitting in front of your computer working on stuff, um, is that, is doing that restorative or is it just um, keeping you at that same level of energy, um, you know, and then you're just getting right back into another session. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. So hopefully those things were, uh, are helpful to you. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think all of the things that we've covered. So between last week and this week, we've went over seven different, um, drains for clinicians that are providing telehealth and creative ideas, um, to maybe turn those into nourishment or at least make them something that's neutral and not draining. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Thank you for being back. I really love our conversations and you provide, mm-hmm. you know, great information for clinicians and especially clinicians that are providing telehealth. So yeah, let us know about um, how, you know, we can find out about you and some of the courses that you offer and the offerings that you have for clinicians around this topic. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we actually, uh, so again, our, our website where you can find all of this is telementalhealth.com training.com 
So like telemental health and add the word training.com. And we've been doing a lot of outreach uh, for clinicians in the form of providing trainings. Um, we, we, like we held a lot of free live webinars on these topics. So we do have courses on self-care, resilience, um, and so forth, and, and trauma. Uh, so I, I definitely take a look at those. Um, and we have a lot of training on telehealth, uh, all, all different specialties in regards to telehealth. Our most popular courses are Telemental Health Training Certificate Program, which covers all the essential aspects of providing telemental health. And having a good base knowledge of telemental health really helps people feel confident, which uh, definitely helps with, uh, you know, energy and, and resilience. Um, so we do have a lot. We always have free webinars coming up. We have a provider directory that's free for clinicians in the community. We have ways to connect. Uh, we'll be providing self-care uh, sessions. Um, so check us out. If you have any need, consultation or training for your organization, we're available. So if you're not even sure what you need uh, in terms of training or consultation or support, uh, you can just contact us. We're available by phone, chat, email, text. Uh, you, you call, we answer, right? We're not one of the companies where you'll get an automated system. We'll, you'll talk to a person. Um, and you can find all of our contact information at telementalhealthtraining.com. Yeah, I think that's so beneficial because you do have such a wide variety of services and it may be a little overwhelming, like deciding what you need. So it's great that you offer, you know, that someone can just give you a call and talk about what their needs are and they'll be able to recommend what, what trainings or webinars or resources are appropriate. Mm -hmm. Yep. Certainly. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. For episode 50, I chat about growing your business by repelling customers, which is a continuation of episode 47, where I talked about why losing followers and subscribers is good for your business. I'm truly grateful that you choose to join me here for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. For more inspiration and to see what I'm up to, join me over on Instagram at Mountain Practice Journeys. If you're enjoying yourself here, please head over to Apple Podcast and hit those five stars and I'll be over the moon. And if you'd like to work with me, join me in Forest Mind, my cozy small group mastermind for private practice introverts, highly sensitive therapists, and solopreneurs who help and heal. May the forest be with you.